Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Liz. Liz is a mother of two that lives in England that is a very devout Souls fan. She's a big gamer. Uh, she plays all kinds of stuff. Uh, when I sent out the call, um, Aegon tagged her on Twitter, and we and her had a couple of conversations, and I got her on the show. And this is just delightful to hear her perspective on the Souls games, and I know that you're going to enjoy it as well. So, without further ado, here's the episode. Let's start at the very beginning. What is your, uh, like, how did you get into Dark Souls? How did you find the games and how did you start playing them? Um, so I suppose a bit of my history with video games, um, I've been playing video games since the days of PlayStation 1, really. Um, I, I kind of first got into it via a friend who had a PS1 and showed me Resident Evil, which I thought looked like the best game I've ever seen in my life. So I had to buy a PlayStation 1 and play Resident <laughs> Evil. And I kind of, it, it kind of went from there, really. And I, I, I kind of played all the Resident Evil, Silent Hill, anything survival horror-y was my you know, thing I was into for many years. Um, branched out into things like Tomb Raider and that kind of adventure, I suppose action adventure would be the game genre that I was most into. Mm-hmm. Anything with horror, anything kind of scary, great lapped it up but then uh, I had a quite a longish period I suppose when I had my children when video games weren't even anywhere on the agenda because uh, obviously you bring up children you don't really have time and I think I got back into it I looked at my PlayStation 3 trophy history and the first trophy I got on the PlayStation 3 was for Dead Space back in 2008 I think so I probably picked up again 2008 playing uh the uncharted series um as i say dead space bits and bobs like that but i wasn't playing all that heavily at the time mm-hmm. and as my my kids grew older so they were about probably 11 12 years old they started watching a lot of youtube let's plays and they got into a group of uh, uk youtubers called the Yogscast. cast don't know if you've heard of them but mm-hmm. um, they're quite quite well known over here and I started watching the Ogscast kind of in a way to start monitoring what my kids were watching to make sure it was suitable. Um, <laughs> of course. But yeah. also, I kind of got into it as well and watched them. I think I watched every single member's videos and all their videos. And at the same time, I also bought myself Skyrim. And I've never played role-playing games before. I always see, saw them as not my thing at all. But Skyrim really, really got me uh, hooked and I played hour after hour after hour of that game every single thing you could do in the game many and many times over um, and I was looking for another game like that really and it just so happened that one of the Yogscast guys um, Stripping is known as um, started playing Dark Souls 2 and I think I watched the first maybe 10 minutes of his first video and I thought that's the game for me I'm having that and I bought it without knowing anything about Dark Souls in any way. I'd never, I'd heard of Demon Souls. I remember when it came out, but I didn't pay any attention. It wasn't my sort of thing. So I bought it on the, but the basis of watching somebody basically do the intro and the character creation. <laughs> Nothing else about the game. <laughs> Probably a little foolish on on reflection because um, I got the game and obviously you start playing it and realise it's nothing like any game you've ever played before. My first thoughts were, where's the pause button? Why can't I stop playing this? <laughs> and why every time I die do the enemies keep coming back? And so really I kind of bit off more than I could chew. Um, and at the same time, my son was probably about 
13 at the time, was kind of into getting into video games in a bigger way. And so he liked the, liked the look of Dark Souls 2. And so he kind of would sit with me while I was playing it and quite often snatch the controller off me <laughs> and do things for me, which is a little bit, you know, thanks a lot for that, son. Uh, and in the end, I think I, I kind of abandoned the game after I did get quite far. In fact, I, I was racking my brains thinking about this the other day, and I think I actually did complete it, but it's so long ago that I now can't remember much about it at all. Apart and Dark Souls 2 is the, the game that never ends. Like, that game just keeps it, well, going. Well, exactly. And, it, and, it, and it, it, the weird thing about Dark Souls 2 is I've replayed it again recently, and I was really shocked about how much I remembered about where items were and the routes to take around things. So I must have played it more than I think I did. But anyway, leaving that to one side, um, my son kind of took over and became Mr. Dark Souls 2 fanboy and played it over and over. And when Bloodborne came out, he sort of said, he was trying to persuade me to get it. And I thought, oh, well, I'll get it for you, but I don't think I'll play it because I, I was kind of into, you know, the medieval fantasy, starting mm-hmm. with Skyrim, going to Dark Souls 2, you know, the swords and the armor. I thought in my head that that's what I preferred. So he got Bloodborne, he played it. I tried to ignore it. And, and mo- many times he said to me, please play this game, you will like it. And I just thought, nah. I've heard about these games, they're too hard. I'm one of these people who, if there's an easy <laughs> setting on a game, I will choose the easy setting for that game. I'm terrible. You know, I always play everything on super easy. And I thought, Bloodborne, Dark Souls, they're not for me. I'm not a good games player. I'm not that good. I don't want to play it. But eventually he won me over and I did start to play Bloodborne. But I think I had a different experience to a lot of people in that I had him sitting next to me, telling me what to do, what not to do, and how to experience the game. And for every boss fight, I just basically couldn't, I just thought, I can't do this. And I gave him the controller. <laughs> all, my dark, all my darkest secrets are coming out now. So so a very inauspicious start. And what happened was it, I tried about three different times to play Bloodborne. And every time the bosses were just too much for me. And then one day my, my son said, look, I'm not doing these boss fights for you anymore. If you want to play this game, you have to do the boss fight. <laughs> and I just said, I can't, it's too hard for me. They're really pathetic. Um, so he said, well, look, do, do the chalice dungeons, start off in the chalice dungeons. And I'll never forget the very first chalice dungeon I did. I just went through it like a dose of salts. I beat every boss. I did the whole thing. And I felt so good. I thought, I've beaten a boss in, in Bloodborne. I can't believe it. And I think that something just clicked in my head on that date or whatever it was. And I just started absolutely loving that game. And I must have played, I know that from my history on my PlayStation, it looks like I've got about 500 hours or so on Bloodborne because it just took over my life it really did I started playing every different you know setup every build every weapon I did a stake driver build which I took into a new game plus four I think wow absolutely loved it and I know a lot of people say the stake driver is really difficult but again that was my son he said try a stake driver build and me being very sort of naive I didn't realize it was considered a difficult weapon i just thought yeah why not but use that because i don't really look up or i didn't at that stage look up wikis or anything like that i may I have missed kind of, it how, how old is your son at this time when all this is happening uh, he was probably about 13 14 i would say so your 13 year old son is trying to troll you in bloodborne by getting you to get uh, a stake yeah. driver oh, yeah he does he does that a lot <laughs> <laughs> he does that with dark souls with mimics as well go on open that chest mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, yeah, he is. Yeah, he says, "Trust me, I don't troll you," but he really does. So there we go. But it's been quite good in a way because I didn't. I had no prior knowledge in terms of I never watched any walkthroughs or any let's plays or anything. 
about any of the games. I have since, don't get me wrong, but when I first played these games, I didn't. So I, I was blind in one way, but I was blind but being led by somebody who wanted me to play in a particular way, <laughs> which um, I've since kind of, you know, developed my own style, shall we say. And I'm, I, I think I've, I've got quite a reasonable level of skill. Um, I did a BL4 run on Bloodborne back end of last year, which was really difficult, but really, 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 really kind of rewarding in the sense of uh, being able to beat some of these bosses at BL4 felt very good indeed. Especially um, if you I had can't... so much trouble with them just with, you know, in exactly. the normal game with not, without a challenge yeah, the build. Absolutely, absolutely. I think my finest moment was beating Rom um, on my BL4 build because I have a thing about spiders. I hate spiders. Any spiders in games, real spiders, I hate them. And Rom had always been my worst fight not for rom herself but for the little ads Ugh. just certain points i would get that creeping feeling of all the legs and everything so to beat that on bl4 was was the best it felt like such a fantastic experience and i tried to save the video on the playstation so i could show everybody but i kind of messed it up somehow and didn't keep the footage so i was very upset about that because it really felt like probably the best thing i've done in any game ever that's so, so disappointing uh, yeah. when that happens. I did a very um, disappointing. Yeah, it's very disappointing. I killed so. uh, Orphan of Kaz using the uh, like transformed blow blade only. Um, oh wow! Just just with the bow and wow. arrow style, and I was so proud yeah, of yeah. myself, and I was so happy. And then went to save the video, and the video wasn't there. Like the PS4 had messed up or something, and I was like, "Yeah, well, yeah. I guess." <laughs> so I just restored my save, and I was like, "I'm just going to do it again." <laughs> and then I could oh, never no. do it again afterwards. <laughs> I could just never could make well, it happen. Well, that's it. You could never, yeah, absolutely, never repeat your uh, your successes. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that was my, my Bloodborne story. And during this time, we bought Dark Souls three. So I have played, and I've played through Dark Souls three a couple of times, I think. Well, well real quick before we um, before we leave Bloodborne, oh, because oh, yeah, um, yeah. I like I like to I like to talk about Bloodborne a lot on this podcast as, as the listeners. Oh, know. you can, you can. <laughs> it's um, my favorite of all of the Souls games, so you know, <laughs> 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 it's the one I know best as well. So uh, it's my relaxing game. It's my go-to glass of wine, Bloodborne. That's it, you know, my perfect evening type of thing. So I'm curious. Away. You mentioned that you were initially hesitant to jump into bloodborne because it wasn't that you know medieval kind of fantasy what how long did it take you to make that turn like when you were exploring (laughs) these weird quasi-victorian kind of kind of areas and finding all these weird werewolves and snakehead monsters and giant vacuous spiders like when, when when did it click for you I mean, to be honest, it's it's a strange, it was a strange prejudice that I have because in all my kind of reading and my, you know, interests, I would say Victorian Gothic is absolutely my thing. I don't know why I had this built-in kind of, I don't know, prejudice against that setting because once I'm, I'm in it and once I'm wandering around, I, I love it. I absolutely love being in Yarnum. I love wandering around the streets, finding these maddened creatures and strange men in top hats and beasts and things absolutely love it i think it's it's to me it's the perfect setting and having the lovecraftian twist i read a lot of horror when i was growing up and, and lovecraft and a lot of um very gothic you know mr james and uh, all those kind of classic gothic horror writers i've read all their books and things so you know that that setting should really have spoken to me a lot more than it did but i think i was kind of still in that skyrim mindset where if i'm going to play an rpg it's got to be in that medieval style but obviously I've made the switch completely and uh, the Victorian Gothic is absolutely my favourite <laughs> genre uh, or favourite setting for that kind of game. It just suits the horror. I love the outfits and the, 
you know, the, the different fashion born that you can get into. I love all the different uh, styles, the Canehurst sets. I like, uh, obviously, my characters are usually, well, always female. So I like to get Ariana's dress and that little hat with the, I think it's the knight's wig, is it called? Mm-hmm. The little uh, sort of hat that perches on you. <laughs> I love the uh, the knight's wig it. specifically because um, yeah. I, I have a bunch of different builds, as you might imagine. And um, <laughs> for the female characters, yeah, it like, makes that little like cute hat that's kind of at an angle on top of their yes. head. Yeah. But for guys, like it does some <laughs> weird ponytail thing. And yeah, it's a bit strange, isn't it? On my uh, on my arcane build, my my dude is like super old looking, and he's got like glasses on. And when I put the night wig on it, he just, he looks like like a nineteen like a forty five year old mm. bass player or something. Like he's just a <laughs> like a guy that you would see at a jazz club, like that you know, oh, playing nice. bass on the weekends while he works a dust job or something, trying to be cool. So. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of people do uh, criticize their character creation, but I think you can make some pretty nice looking people. I know it sometimes doesn't always translate into what they look like when you're playing the game but that's yeah, a different story yeah. i did actually once copy some uh, sliders for a lady maria cosplay build because that's kind of one of my favorites apart from getting the rakuya which is not one of my favorite things to do in life but uh, i was helping a friend uh, do that this past weekend and it's it's still just as miserable as i ever remember <laughs> oh, it's just the worst it's fine if you can get the bone blades to work mm-hmm. but it doesn't always work and it's just that time delay in, in getting the blade into them before they start fighting each other it's just horrible and there's no kind of cheese for it either is there you've just got to get in there and uh, do it properly otherwise uh, you're not going to be able to do it so yeah, yeah the cheese like is um too, just yeah. bringing in another friend like just yes. another friend and, <laughs> yes, and, and, and hanging up on him that's what yes indeed for my skill build i was uh i wasn't doing a real challenge run but i was definitely rushing for the rakuyo and i was like you know blood level 40 or something like i was very under leveled for the dlc and uh but hadn't really had a whole lot of problems up to that point uh mm-hmm. and man the rakuyo took me probably 20 or 30 times because i just i didn't have <sighs> the health one hit like one mistake and i was i was yep. dead so. <laughs> well that is one of the things i've learned from my bl4 is it's really made me appreciate the game and the boss design and actually having to learn the moves and you know roll at the right time and you cannot take one hit it really does improve your game because I kind of felt that I wasn't really challenging myself at all with the game and the way I was doing it, because I tend to go in over levels because <laughs> I'm terrible like that. But uh, I do like to kind of spin out the game as long as possible. So I do all the chalices, do a lot of farming. I do a load of um, getting summoned, you know, to co-op with people for the chalice dungeons, because it's one of the things that's the highlight of the game for me is being able to do that. Cause, I love to think I'm making someone's day a little brighter, you know, by going in and just, because I know I've been there myself, standing there, not being able to deal with something and, and just going, I need someone to help me and not being able to get a summon. So I kind of want to be the person on the other end of the bell being called to help. And I feel like, you know, it's just a nice thing to do, isn't it? It's just a nice way of helping other people who might be newer to the game, you know beat a boss they're struggling with it's great because we've all been there ourselves haven't we because <laughs> when <laughs> i first true. played i refused i refused to summon for any boss when i first played it firstly because i felt embarrassed because i didn't want real people to to see how bad i was or whatever but um also because i kind of felt that you should really solo bosses mm-hmm. i'm less i'm less kind of fussy about that now i feel like you know, life's too short if you need to summon just summon you know does it matter really i've beaten all the bosses at least once so i'm not that bothered yeah, yeah. But it's You've not, got been, not been the experience. Uh, yeah, exactly. And and you know, I've done my BL four, and uh, I didn't summon. So, what can you what can you say? 
Although I did take the submit your submit your life ending because I'm a coward. I didn't want to fight German on BL4. <laughs> <laughs> I probably shouldn't have admitted to that, should I? Yes, I beat him. It was easy, but so no. It was all the uh, you know, as <laughs> little possible as you can possibly do. I actually tried to um, challenge myself because um, what happened with Bloodborne was my son um, platinum the game on my account. A bit annoying, so I decided to platinum the game on my husband's account. So uh, <laughs> I did actually go through and, and do that. So, so that's uh, that was fun um, doing that. And I'm currently this is going to make me sound terrible. I'm currently trying to platinum the game again on my youngest son's account, and he um, he's on a PlayStation sub account, so no online play. Mm-hmm. So I have got to do it all on my own. So we'll see. It'll be fun. <laughs> what a nice mom <laughs> giving your son some plats before. <laughs> I like how this might spiral out there. Like he's going to get in a couple of years, he's going to want to start playing Bloodborne and realize that you've already got the plat. So he's going to be like, well, I need another account, mom. I have to get it on my own. Oh dear. I did. Funnily enough, I did time myself when I was doing the uh, platinum. Because obviously you've got to do the three endings, Mm -hmm. as you know. And uh, so I timed myself with my husband's account. And I think the first sort of new game cycle it took me about 79 hours but that's because i'm one of these people who has to collect every single chain he has to do all the npc quest lines has to do all the chalices and all the rest of it and it took me about 79 hours but when i went into new game plus to go just to get the second ending i think it took me two hours Mm -hmm. so it just shows you you can take as long or as short as you like with this game and you can miss out areas if you don't want to do them and there's so many options i think for exploring and they definitely do build in a a desire to play the game over and over don't they i think it's a clever mechanic that they've got because you miss bits or you do things wrong or you do what I did and accidentally put a controller down and it hits R2 and attacks a friendly NPC <laughs> <laughs> you then have to kill. <laughs> Absolutely. Been, been there too. Yep. Oh dear. Poor old Simon in the research hall. I had the um, hunter's <laughs> axe and I was too handy it. And I just put my controller down when I got off the lantern and it just hit him and that was it. No forgiving. No forgiving no after, after that. Huh? No. no, so yeah, was, uh, that was a bit embarrassing but so... Oh, well, I'm sure he'll forgive me. Well, how long did it take you to get into like the story of of Bloodborne? Like, to do you like? Are you a person that kind of picks up all of these clues and details and item descriptions and things well, like that I and starts piecing that stuff was, together? I mean, that was one of the that was one of the things I found with with Bloodborne at first is that there's nothing given to you, there's nothing handed to you about the story, and it's not a case if you just pick up items and put them away and never look at them. It does repay reading item descriptions or looking at those loading screens and i think that's one of the things i really love about the the FromSoft games in general is that they they kind of demand a higher level of concentration than a lot of games not only just the reading of the uh, item descriptions but also being aware of your environment reading clues in the environment listening to sound clues having conversations with people finding out more about the world it's a really different way of gaming to you know anything i've experienced before really so i kind of did read all the item descriptions and try and piece together what was happening but i also do watch a lot of them law videos on the internet so i think my main ones would be obviously the obvious varty uh redgrave um and aegon of astora who's one of my favorite uh uh, law and playthrough chaps and um, JSF. 
Yeah, so shout out to Aegon for um, I think tagging you on Twitter when I, when, yeah. I, when I put out the call for uh, for people to come guest. So thank, th- thanks, Aegon. We appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's 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 such a cool guy, and I, I love his videos. And kind of every day I'll watch at least one of his videos, either of Dark Souls playthrough or the law videos, because I think he's just got a really nice way of explaining things and very approachable and friendly chap. So yeah, definitely shout out to Aegon. And as I say, JSF, who does some fantastic uh, up-close videos uh, on the lore of Bloodborne. So I've watched all of those um, to pick up the story. And, and that's I think that's it's one of those things that when I was really, really into Bloodborne, playing it all the time, I was you know getting the books, I was reading all the articles, watching all the videos, getting really immersed into it all uh, in a way that I, I just haven't really been able to with Dark Souls, which I can't really understand particularly but uh, definitely the, the Bloodborne lore is uh, something that fascinates me in a way that I don't think any other game has particularly got to be. Well let's get into you said you're um, after you kind of wrapped up with Bloodborne uh, you bought Dark Souls 3 so let's let's jump over to Dark Souls 3 and tell me about the kind of changes or the because that game is significantly different from Bloodborne from a combat perspective, and obviously very, the setting very and, much, and everything yeah, else. Very much so. Yeah. What yeah, was I that mean, process I, of adapting to it? I I think I I struggle and probably still do struggle with Dark Souls Three more than I did with Bloodborne. I think it is that combat style is a lot more. Well, it feels to me a lot slower and a lot more defensive, which I'm not. Uh, I think the thing I like about Bloodborne is that you can be really quite aggressive. And really quite sort of your stamina isn't such an issue whereas i find with dark souls stamina management is such a, a bigger problem for me <laughs> i'm not great at watching that little green gauge at all and i think bloodborne's a lot more forgiving and whilst i can parry in bloodborne really easily i just cannot parry in dark souls i'm really bad at it so i think moving quickly between bloodborne and dark souls i notice immediately that the combat doesn't feel as satisfying to me doesn't feel like i'm hitting things as hard so whilst I think Dark Souls 3 looks absolutely gorgeous and, you know, runs in 60 FPS and every time I switch between the two, I think, oh, God, this just looks so beautiful. I struggle a lot more with it. Um, I mean, I have played it, as I say, a few times and I don't know, it just left me not quite as enthused, I don't think. Um, I mean, it, funnily enough, it's quite fresh in my mind because I did the um, uh, Lord of Cinder, is it? The mm-hmm. final boss. I did that yesterday and I did find it quite moving in a way. But this morning, beating Gwyn felt a lot more emotionally impactful. I don't know why. I'm glad you, more, I'm glad you brought know. that up because you mentioned beating Gwyn uh, right before we started recording. Yes. And, and then you just kind of <laughs> casually mentioned that yesterday you beat the Soul of Cinder, <laughs> which makes me think that you played all of Dark Souls 3 yesterday and then all of Dark Souls 1 no. today. <laughs> It really didn't. No, I really and I was going to say that's way no, more preparation than anyone has ever done for this podcast. No, no, no. no. I, the, the, the Dark Souls three thing was a character that I'd had running for a long time, but kind of gave up with when I was in. You know, went back to Bloodborne to play a lot more, so I kind of revisited an old playthrough. So I was cheating a little bit. So um, I think I'd abandoned it because I was in the Ringed City, and I just oh, it was so hard, just so hard. I'd got to the point where I only had Medea, which. I mean, no, or Slave Night Gale to beat. And I just felt I couldn't do it. It was just so hard. I'd been through that Sister Frida boss fight and it was just the most horrible thing. So if there's one thing I can't deal with, it's multi-boss fights. I just can't deal with them at all. So I'd been through that and I just felt, no, it's too hard. So that was the character I picked up to finish the uh, um, Lord of Cinder fight yesterday. I didn't think Dark about that, but uh, there's, there's very few multiple 
like bosses, like multiple entity, multiple mm-hmm. like enemy bosses in Bloodborne. It's isn't there. Like there's this usually it's just you versus either a, an enormous monster or just another hunter yeah. or whatever. I can't. I'm trying yeah, to think if there, there's a, a well, there's boss. the Shadows of Yarnum. The Shadows yep. of Yarnum, which I do struggle with. I've got to say, I do struggle with that <laughs> very much. Very That's much. Right. You've got there to is. have a strategy for them, otherwise you just fail because they're so fast and the, you know the attacks are so multiple. But the one that I always get. Um, problems with is the merciless watchers which some people will think is hilarious because oh they're really easy just separate them and do this and do this but i really struggle with them i'd rather deal with the uh the watchdog uh what's he called the fiery hot dog as i like to call him <laughs> I'd, ra- I'd much rather deal with him or the bloodstab beast or anything like that as over those merciless watchers they're horrible to me it always depends on the arena like if i get them on that on that two-tiered yeah. arena uh where you can some of them will stay up and then you can just lead one of them down and you can take care of one of them at a time versus all oh, of them yeah, in that exactly. like real tiny room with the pillars that I have the most exactly. difficulty with those three in. Exactly. Yeah, that is, that is the, uh, the difficult one, I must admit. But uh, most of the other chalice bosses, apart from obviously the defiled amygdala thing, which is horrible, but uh, that, that is the one you'll find you get summoned for if you're just hanging around in chalice dungeons uh, at the uh, short ritual root chalice. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, a whole other subject because i don't actually think it's a good fight to summon for because it just messes up the boss's tracking and you can't really read the moves properly but so even though it's a horrible fight i think you should solo it <laughs> sorry to anyone out there but i don't really i don't think it works as a, a co-op fight very well at all that one no me, me either yes the, the, the movement's just crazy but um yeah so yeah so going back to the dark souls saga it's, so yeah. i decided although i played dark souls 2 a long time ago i hadn't played scholar of the first since i thought i'll give it a go because i know it's changed quite a lot from the original and actually i didn't find it too difficult at all to be honest i kind of felt i, I breezed through it reasonably quickly hence finishing it yesterday so uh, and i think it's probably the one i remember most about out of all of them uh, in terms of the, the layout but i also had to challenge myself to play dark souls the original game because i never played it and i thought I would and we've only got it on the pc so it's a bit rubbish but um honestly now i think on reflection i've enjoyed that most out of all three of them which surprised me because when i first started playing it it really annoyed me the fact you couldn't walk between bonfires and the fact you had to remember the layout of the, the routes which is my my you know something i have trouble with and the amount of time it takes to chug an estus things like that, that really annoyed me but I kind of forced myself to play it and just get on with it. Mm-hmm. And again, I found none of the bosses particularly hard, apart from Ornstein and Snow. Again, multi-boss fights, yep. mm-hmm. not good for me. Uh, I really struggled with them. And uh, that was a bit of a stumbling block, which I managed to get over eventually. And then the next one that really caused me problems was Artorius. But beating him was probably another of my gaming highlights because it felt quite epic to actually put him down and quite sad knowing his backstory as well so um i feel like that was really the first uh dual boss that we really got um if mm. you're approaching the series chronologically that was the first really aggressive like yes. just one-on-one feeling like you were taking on a guy with a sword kind of fight and that, that yeah. stuff exists in demon souls too like i know there's some some there's a couple of fights that are like that but to me like artorius was the the first time that i ever encountered anything like that and yeah. I, I feel like that's what led to the German or the Lady Maria or the Orphan of Cause fights, definitely. which are some of my favorite yeah, fights in the game. So. 
absolutely and that's probably why I enjoyed it because at the time when he was beating me I felt is this guy actually beatable can I do this you know I was re- <laughs> really doubting myself because I was quite contrary to the way I work in the other games I was quite under leveled well I think I was I was probably about level 70 something and I hadn't been putting a lot of points into stamina for various reasons which uh, I realize now was a bit of a mistake but um, so I wasn't really in the best position I was using the Iato, is it called? Iato? Mm-hmm. At plus 15, which is a reasonably quick weapon, because I do tend to go for quick weapons if I can. Um, but yeah, I really didn't think I could beat him, and I just tried and tried and tried, and I was determined I was going to do it, and I did it, and I felt absolutely fantastic. It was just a great experience, and I thought, wow, that's a fight. That was a good fight. I'm stuck on but, him. Yeah. I'm doing a um, Soul Level 1 run on the PS3. Oh, and... are you? Oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> and I've I've been pretty okay like throughout the whole mm. thing, and uh, and I'm cheating mm. a little bit too because I had a I was helping a friend of mine out. I was helping uh, Patty from the Twin Humanities podcast. He wanted to mm-hmm. record a bunch of dumb Soul Level One videos, and I have save mules and stuff set up on PS3 where I just you know there's ten save files with every single item mm. upgraded to plus fifteen and every like there's broken sword hilts at you know plus fifteen lightning <laughs> or for some like it's one of those dumb things right and uh. So I haven't really had a whole lot of difficulty in the game, but you know, when it comes to something like Artorias, it doesn't matter what your like what the gear you no. have or that you have no, ninety nine humanities or whatever. You have yeah. to be able to kill him, and it's and that's it, isn't it? Yeah. It's the it's the timing, isn't it? And the the dodging, and you know, I, I feel sometimes as a an older lady that that's where I have a problem because obviously my reactions are probably not those of a twenty year old person. So you know, that is where I, I think things will always take a little bit longer for me because I need to learn the patterns. And press the button just at the right time. Um, so I think that's slightly frustrating that it all comes down to how fast they are and how fast my reactions are. And like you say, regardless of what gear you've got or what level you are, it's about your reactions. And uh, that's why I think for me, beating someone like that boss is, is so rewarding because, you know, I feel that it's skill <laughs> rather than just over leveling and going in there all guns blazing so it's uh it's it's good for that reason but uh, i mean the problem i've had playing dark souls on the pc is i haven't been able to summon anyone for anything apart from npcs so it's been a very much a solo journey and it's it's quite sad because i do like having help and i like helping other people so i'm kind of pondering whether or not i should get the is it the connectivity mod that you can get for mm-hmm. the pc ds you, uh, con yeah, fix or something yeah 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 so I'm, I'm thinking about it but uh, out of all three of the souls games that i've played i think dark souls one is the one i i think i would play again quite happily whereas two and three would be more of a yeah i'm not that bothered i've done it <laughs> i'm not that bothered about doing it again i think your um your, your big thing that you need to watch out for when you start doing multiplayer ds1 stuff is that uh, the game has been hacked to bits so yeah, people so can yeah. like invade your game and hit you with the sword mm. and teleport you to the abyss and stuff and like mm. break all of your equipment at the same time. It can be it can be really frustrating. So if you're yeah. looking for the connection mod, also look for PvP Watchdog, which will give you like right. a, a thing at the top left where you can um, see like a character when they invade you if they're legit or not or if they're hacking. That way you can kind of deal oh, with it. Oh, that's useful. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think that is the problem on the on PC. Although I understand that. Um, there's sort of worries about hackers on uh, Bloodborne now, which uh, isn't great, is it? <laughs> Except I've always found the Bloodborne community to be a, a very nice, going off the subreddit, a very nice bunch of people who are more than happy to help others and not actually hack their way to the top of leaderboards and things, which is, is quite sad, really. Yeah, it's it's always disappointing. Um, like, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because... 
without some of the hacking tools out there, we, we wouldn't be getting this, um, you know, all the cut content that's been coming out that oh, Z- yeah, Zuli and everybody yeah. else have been, have been putting out there, yes. which has been yeah. fascinating and, and super interesting. It has. <laughs> it has, yes. I don't know. Um, yeah, I like that stuff like mechanically and I don't really get into it from a lore perspective. Like I, like if I see mm-hmm. a cut boss, I don't, my, my instinct isn't to go like, what are the lore implications of this? I'm like, well, they cut them for a reason. It doesn't matter. I just want to see like the monster. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think, you know, okay. I know some cut content might be for other reasons, but mm-hmm. I think when you read, especially for me, it was the the dialogue that the uh, the password guy uh, when you go into Bergenworth. Mm-hmm. There seemed to be a lot of dialogue there that he was giving. That I, I felt I'm glad it was cut because in a way, just finding this dead body is is more impactful to me than having this long conversation with him. <laughs> and <laughs> and like getting me. a glimpse at that historical development process, I think is really interesting. Like finding oh, yeah. out how yeah, they refine that yeah. down to him just having that you know that that dialogue thing that pops up when you like talk to him or whatever mm. um mm. just having that, those couple of lines i think is way more impactful than him having yes the a whole paragraph yeah, worth yeah. of dialogue so it's interesting to see that stuff mm. and but it, unfortunately yeah you're right it, it enables a lot of hacking and cheating this happened on the uh 360 version of the of dark souls one um mm. at, at one point you would look at the it had a, like a real basic leaderboard for I call it the asshole board, like the book of assholes, <laughs> <laughs> um, where it was just yep. who's the biggest asshole in the game. And uh, like right. all of a sudden, like people were in the 700s or 800s or whatever at the top of the leaderboard. And then you, you, I loaded it up one day and there were 16, 17 people like that where I all had 4,000. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I must admit that's not something that that interests me at all. You know, progression uh, on leaderboards because I think, well, I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't interest me. I mean, I'm quite happy when I help people in the chalices to get uh, a couple of points for the league or whatever. But I'm not really interested in how many vermin I've got and whether it's better than someone else or whatever. It, it doesn't really interest me. I, I play the games mainly for myself and for my own personal challenge rather than uh, you know trying to get one up on somebody because there'll always be someone who's got some way of being better than you, you know, whatever, whether it's legit or not legit. So I play them because I love them for my own experience. And as I say, the only kind of co-oping I do is helping other people. I've never invaded anybody. I've been invaded. Mm-hmm. And I've had my share of being beaten by invaders and beating invaders. So uh, I was quite chuffed I beat an invader on the DS2 yesterday. <laughs> I didn't think it would happen. But uh, yeah, I was quite pleased I managed to do that. But uh, I generally don't engage in any kind of PvP just because I feel that it's not for me. I'm not. I don't have those kind of skills, and I'm not interested in some, you know, person thinking, "Oh, I'm better than that one." No, no, no. Yeah, it of course. Doesn't really, it doesn't interest me at all. I'm afraid. So uh, I never tried to do it. I let my son invade me uh, three times, and I beat him three times. It's quite shift. <laughs> <laughs> this is the same. This is the same 13 year old that yeah. was trolling you. Well, he's now 15, he's now 15. So, 15. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, yeah, the troll. Yes. I'm. I'm curious. As um as I'm curious because we've had uh, parents on the podcast before, and I always like to get their opinion or their perspective on um, letting their kids play these games because there's not mm. it's not like there's a lot of violence or you know gratuitous violence, but it mm. is they they are very scary <laughs> games, specifically Bloodborne. Like I can only imagine playing Bloodborne when I was 11 or 12 years old, and yeah, just being <laughs> yeah. terrified of it. What, what, what's your kind of perspective on letting your kids play these kind of games? I mean, it's an interesting one and, and everybody has an opinion. Um, my, my personal feeling is um, I think as a person who's played video games myself all my life, I'd say probably 25 years worth of playing video games, I think I have a better perspective on the content of games and how they might affect you. Um, 
I wasn't as young as my kids were when they first started playing, but when they first started playing games, it was only things like Little Big Planet and, you know, uh, Little Big Planet racing and, and quite simple, constructive. And Minecraft, they played Minecraft for years, absolutely obsessed with Minecraft. And so it's become, it was more of an, an evolution into other games. And both my sons, I'm thankful to say, are very sensible, very mature kids, not easily spooked or scared. My youngest son has no interest or desire whatsoever to play any kind of FPS or horror or anything like that. He's very happy to play his, uh, uh, you know, constructive and uh, more sort of sandbox type games. He likes Skyrim, but that's about as far as it goes. But my eldest son, he plays most games. Um, not, I wouldn't say GTA or anything like that, but um, most of the games that I've played, he's played. And as mm-hmm. I say, I think it's more about... As a parent, you know your own child and you know how they're likely to react uh, or be affected by games. And as I say, both of mine are both very sensible, very mature children. I certainly wouldn't expose them to anything that I felt that was going to damage their young minds. But sure. um, I don't I don't feel that they're doing anything that as a parent I feel I object to. I think it's a lot more difficult when you're not a gaming parent to understand and make those calls because I think kids are very influenced by their friends and if you don't know anything about video games and your child comes home and says oh all my friends play GTA 5 and I'd like a copy of it innocently you might just think oh it's a video game I'll buy that but it may have things in it that you would not want your child to to see or be involved in. <laughs> a lot of things in it that you yeah. may not want your and, and child to My two have never played GTA and, and they've never asked to play it. Um, and I don't think I would be massively happy with them playing it, but I think the age they are, you know, they're going to see and hear worse. But um, as I say, I think it's because I understand what video games are and what's in them, I can make that call a bit more easily than a lot of parents who who might not be aware because I know my son's often said to me that none of his friends parents play video games or know about video games and as a result it's kind of restricted or affected the things that they can do so mm-hmm. he thinks it's cool <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you understand he thinks it's great that I, that I let him but you know it's not complete free reign and I do try and monitor the things they do and as I say I started watching their YouTube videos that they were watching because I wanted to kind of check out what they were yeah especially nowadays like well. with, with the way that YouTube is it's, it's kind of just the wild ah, west and you kind of need to make sure that they're yeah, not listening to some God. crazy person yeah. with some really terrible opinions <laughs> on YouTube absolutely mm, absolutely but luckily neither of them are particularly um, secretive about what they watch and that yeah. makes them happy for me to, to you know be involved so so that's fine and as I say my my eldest son, who's now 15, watches probably exclusively Dark Souls related content. So um, <laughs> I'm not going to complain about that, am I? So, you know, <laughs> neither of them watch any of these sort of prank type people or the ones that have been controversial recently. So, uh, yeah. so I'm thankful for that. They're, they're sensible kids. Well, going back to, to Dark Souls 1 for a minute, I, I want to pose you the same question that I did for Bloodborne, um, which is, you know, delving into the story. As you Since you had played Dark Souls 2 and Bloodborne and you didn't get into Dark Souls 1, obviously you were very aware of like the item descriptions and the way that the story would be told. Were you able to piece together those stories easier, easily this time, this time through? Yes, um, very much so. I mean, I think I found the overall pace of, of Dark Souls 1 slower in terms of progression and I think it does give you that time to to read those descriptions and because you're revisiting the same areas over and over again you're kind of getting used to 
the layout, you're getting used to the map in your mind. I think it feels a smaller game, but also quite a, a nice compact game. So it does feel like it's a more manageable game to get your head around the story and understand what's going on. So I did found, find I kind of warmed to it more in that sense. I got very engaged with the Solaire and uh, Siegmeier's stories and actually followed through both of their quest lines. And uh, it made me quite sad when uh, I eventually uh, saw poor old Siegmeier dead. <laughs> I, felt like, <laughs> I felt really quite affected by that because I've met him, obviously, in uh, Dark Souls 3 and I like him and he's one of my favourite characters. So I felt quite affected by that, which... Uh, surprised me uh, and Solaire as well with his quest for his son I felt quite um, affected by that as well I know some people feel that the sort of like maggot end is the right end for him mm -hmm. I wanted to save him so um, I went all out and managed to save him um, so nice. I, I kind of felt invested in his story in a way that I don't know Dark Souls 2 I didn't really get invested I think probably Luca Tales probably the only story I, I felt quite connected to in, in Dark Souls 2 and then in three, it was uh, Sigurd, as it's called, um, again, that I wanted to help and tried to make sure I, I did all the right things at the right points. But, I mean, that's that's what I'm like with all the games in, in Bloodborne. Even if I'm playing as fast as I possibly can, I even I always have to save all the NPCs. I always have to speak to Eileen, make sure Henrik doesn't kill her. I think my BL, BL4, I think they killed each other at the same time. And I was so miserable about it. I was so cool. I was wanting to abandon it that again because I really like Eileen. She's one of my favourite characters. <laughs> and I always have to try and talk to Jura and not push him off the top of his tower and everything. <laughs> So yeah, it's uh, but yeah, certainly um, Dark Souls One. I was I was much more interested in the lore of that game. It felt it felt just more of a complete story, mm -hmm. and I I think I understand that it was supposed to be a one-off game, wasn't it originally? And they weren't planning to do sequels. And I think you can tell it's it was made very compact in the, in terms of the story. So I can see why it, made, it kind of felt like a complete game in the way that Bloodborne does. Yeah, I don't think that they had any idea. Um... Because Demon Souls, I mean, as much as I love Demon Souls, it's it's very much a, a niche game. Like you can go back, like if you're a dark, if you play Dark Souls one, go back and play Demon Souls, and you're not going to have too much trouble with it. But mm -hmm. it, at the time, like it just it didn't have. It was very much a, a cult kind of following, and then for Dark Souls mm -hmm. one to sell millions of units and to get this weird culture around it, where people were starting podcasts and YouTube channels and streams and mm -hmm. all of these things around, it. I don't think they expected that. And of course. You know, Namco looked at that and we're like, oh, yeah, we definitely need to make a sequel because that's how video games work. <laughs> we need to put another one of these with another number behind it so that we can, we can you know, make more video games. And I'm glad that they did. I like Dark Souls 2 a lot. So. Yeah, yeah, I've got a lot of time for it, I must admit. I feel sad that there's so much hate for it. Um, I'm not quite sure where that's come from, but I know there is a lot of hate for Dark Souls 2, which, yeah, I think that's quite sad. It's not a bad game. It's definitely playable. And, you know, I've enjoyed my recent uh, trot through it. Uh, I know I was a bit fast. I didn't really, I don't think I did the DLC because I just wanted to, to get through the main game. But uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it, was, thought it was good. And life gems. Life gems are a thing. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, again, I used to find it weird that people complained about consumable healing items in Bloodborne and how terrible it was you had to farm for blood vials. And I, I kind of felt I don't see that as a problem at all. It's just part of the game. That's the mechanic of the game. And, you know, it's not a problem. It's not a hassle. Just go and kill a few enemies, buy a few vials. But then I, I see from playing Dark Souls... I can understand the, the the beauty of sitting at a bonfire and refilling your healing without having to do anything difficult. So, you yeah. know, I get both sides really, but I, I go with the mechanic of whichever game I'm playing, so it doesn't really bother me. You know, farming for vials or whatever doesn't doesn't bother me at all. 
or life gems. <laughs> I'm buying life gems. <laughs> well, what's next? Are you going to go back to, to Demon Souls? Are you going to? Well, at the moment, I'm I'm actually watching Aegon play his playthrough mm-hmm. of Demon Souls, and I don't think I'm likely to play it. We have got a copy of it, and I have got a PS3, so there's no reason for me not to. But I don't know whether it's just a step too far at this stage. So at the moment, I'm replaying Bloodborne, as I mentioned earlier, trying to <laughs> platinum for my youngest son. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably play that a little bit more. Um, I'm kind of completely changing the subject of game. I'm waiting for Far Cry 5 to come out because I'm quite a fan of the Far Cry series. So uh, I will play that. But in the meantime, I'll probably... I may play Dark Souls 1 on New Game Plus, maybe. Mm -hmm. I might see how I feel about that. Um, I didn't realise killing Gwyn would automatically throw me into the new game, you see. uh, Yeah, that's a bummer. (laughs) So I didn't actually actually finish uh, Calamite and Manus off, even though I did actually try both of the boss fights several times uh, i thought i could get back to them but no apparently not but uh, so i may have to go and deal with them on new game plus um but yeah it's i find it more difficult gaming on the pc i don't find it as comfortable as sitting in a nice comfy chair and, and playing on my tv so same i'm, I'm exactly the same way <laughs> <laughs> but it feels too much like work sitting at a pc so mm-hmm. uh, it's not my favorite thing but um Funnily enough, I have got, uh, when I was clearing out some old stuff the other day, I found an old um, guide, I suppose, that I had on a, a PlayStation magazine from way back when Demon Souls first came out. And it's actually a guide to Demon Souls um, from when it was first released. So I've kept that. So I might even use that, you never know, and have a look. But it does look it does look very similar to Dark Souls 1 from what I've seen on Aegon's videos. So um it's um, it, so. it's it's a it's an interesting game to to go back to because it's it, you definitely see that it's the first of this thing mm-hmm. and uh, there were some ideas mm-hmm. there that I think were really really good that they never went that that they just decided not to you know follow forward and then there's some ideas in there that I'm like oh thank God you didn't follow this forward <laughs> like thank God you didn't keep going <laughs> like the the way that the like some of the inscrutable stuff like the way that the upgrade uh, upgraded weapons works where. Some things branch off at plus three, some things branch off at plus five, and there's no really way to know that without experimenting, which can, you know, cost you some very valuable resources because crystal lizards run away with you run away from you at the speed of light and die and never come back. Mm, yeah, <laughs> so it can be it can be kind of frustrating, but it's like there's some levels in there that are some of the most brilliant things that I've seen in games. So I suppose they were just testing out what, what worked and what didn't work, I suppose. Because in a way, I feel that Dark Souls 1 seems very more, much more similar to Bloodborne than any of the other Dark Souls games. It seems like it's Bloodborne was more of a spiritual successor to Dark Souls 1 than, than 2, which I think people have said before. Um, yeah. So I can see that now, now that I've played the, the first game and uh, very much enjoyed it, I must admit. I'd always put it off because I thought, no, nah, it's old, I won't like it, it's on the PC. But no, I think it's probably my favorite of the, the Dark Souls games I've played. So you just got to get it on a PS3 and then uh, yeah, hook, your, hook your DS4 yeah. controller up to it because you can use the Indeed. PlayStation 4 controller on it, which is what I did for my Soul Level 1 run because I hate the PS3 controller. And yeah, me too. It's yeah. so much easier <laughs> to play that game. And it's, you know, it yeah. looks it looks a little worse than it does on, on PC and it's going to run a little worse. But for whatever reason, mm. I, that, that feels like home to me, as, whereas PC does not. So. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. And I, I feel the same. But I'm kind of holding out for a remaster. I keep thinking, please, from. Yeah. You and everybody <laughs> you know. else. Well, indeed. Indeed. You think there's enough, there's enough demand for them to do it. I mean, they did Dark Souls 2 and that, you mm. know, presumably sold reasonable amounts. And, and it does look great. You know, I think, well, I think it does anyway on, on PS4, uh, which is what I've, I've got it on. So if they can do it for DS2, surely, please, 
please from <laughs> i would not i would not be surprised to see that sometime this in 2018 like namco is not allergic to money as we all know and no, you know, dark souls one has you know that's that's basically their game at this point to do whatever they want to with yeah. it i doubt we'll see from doing the one doing the work on that like i think that'll go from right. to a, like a third party developer or whatever which is fine as long as they don't you know mess with it <laughs> no, <laughs> just, exactly. just make it nice exactly. don't don't change anything <laughs> yeah. i mean it definitely feels like uh, more to me it feels more a game that i will I would replay many times as opposed to say two or three just because I feel like it's it's manageable in terms of learning the map and learning the routes and learning the, the item placements which I feel DS3 for all that it looks lovely and all the rest of it I do get frequently confused with the areas and progression through the areas in a way that I don't with say Bloodborne which I can kind of almost do in my sleep now with knowing where things are and which areas to do and, and what route to take so i'd like to be able to do that with at least one of the dark souls games instead of every time i play it again what do i do what do i do where do i go what do i, do? What do, I have to do who do i speak to what order do i it doesn't feel to me that i i, I get it i mean i probably would if i played it mm -hmm. enough times but uh, i don't really have as much desire to do that as i do with bloodborne and maybe dark souls so that's where i am at the moment well i'm curious um do you do you kind of follow gaming news and and like follow from software announcements and everything? Like, are you expecting yeah. them to announce something in E three like we have been for the last three E oh. threes? It seems like. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I think the annoying thing is that the announcements so far have been so vague. You know, you will hear something Bloodborne related in twenty eighteen. Well, that could be a, a t shirt, couldn't it? It could be mm -hmm. a board game or a Lady a Maria statue, another Lady so, Maria statue. Exactly, exactly. I'd, I'd really like them to do something, but I'm really conflicted about Bloodborne too. Um, obviously, we've had the Shadows Die Twice teaser, which lots of people have tried to analyse and decide what it means. I mean, the, the best theory I heard so far was that they might do something around. Uh, Yamamura's sort of backstory. Um, I personally would like to see a, a kind of prequel Lady Maria German backstory period. I think that would be really fun. But I'm still a little bit conflicted as to whether I really do want a Bloodborne 2 because I don't know, it's such a perfect game in and of itself. And the worry is that a sequel could dilute it or spoil it in some ways. I think they did brilliantly with the Old Hunters DLC. I think that fitted in wonderfully and fleshed out the story. So maybe what I'd like to see is another DLC, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Oh man, if they had dropped another DLC on us this year, I would be. It would be. It would be one of those like rock the internet moments. Yep. <laughs> Everybody would be so <laughs> blown away if that happened. I would be so excited oh, and and, and crazy. Like I would be. That would be amazing. So. But the thing is, you feel like if they did that, they would get so many pre-orders that, you know, their system would break because I think everyone's wanting it. Everyone's waiting for it. But I don't know because we're in the community. So you hear that. But whether or not that translates into masses of people outside the community, I just don't know. I mean, it seems like to me Bloodborne was one of their best sellers on the PlayStation 4. And it's actually sold them a lot of PlayStation 4 consoles. Why wouldn't they do something? So, you know, it seems like a no-brainer to me. But that's because I really want it. So, you know. <laughs> it could just be me putting, you know, wishful thinking out there. And as I say, I'm, I'm still a little bit, I just don't know whether I do want a sequel. I, I tried to play um, Neo. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. know if you played that. It's kind of like a, I don't know, it tries to be a Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Japanese samurai type game. And it didn't really hook me in as much. I think the danger is, people just see it so it's it's hard that's that's why people like these games because they're hard and to me that isn't 
the thing. I don't think even they are that hard, actually. I think once you know how to play the games, they're not difficult. They're just, I, I call it firm but fair. Yeah, <laughs> it absolutely. Sounds a bit strange, mm-hmm. but I think when, when things go wrong and when you die, it's generally, not 100%, but generally your fault. It's not game design or, or bad game or something. It is because you messed up and you learn and it teaches you to learn from your mistakes and embrace death and learn from that. Why did you die? Because you didn't do this or you didn't do that. So I think some of these people who just put out games that are difficult for the sake of it have missed the point completely. It's not about just difficulty. It's about actually a game design that teaches you and, and brings you along in, in a subtle way that you're not even aware. And that's, I think that's why we all like them so much and they, they feel very rewarding. And that feeling of beating a boss, I don't think you'd get that in other games. Maybe that's just me, but <laughs> it just feels like you've done something pretty epic. I feel like that is the perfect ending to this podcast. <laughs> hey. That was that was yeah. That's that's exactly the kind of sentiment that I I like to hear about people talking about the Souls games. I mean, that's that's I think that's the reason that these games resonate so strongly with so many people. That's the reason that mm. I can find a couple hundred people that want to talk about their experiences on this podcast, right? Like that's that's mm. that kind of game, and it being something that you really don't get from other games that much. I mean, there's stuff out there that's similar, but it's there's something special about this unique kind of feeling that you get from beating Artorias at soul level one or you know beating Rom at blood level four or whatever it is so it's mm, it's very mm, nice definitely it's that fully rewarding experience that makes you feel you've done something pretty good it's not so good when you can't tell your friends about it like because <laughs> 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 they look at me as if i'm insane but there we go <laughs> well liz thank you very much for uh for guesting on this podcast i really appreciate it thank you it's been absolutely brilliant really enjoyed it thank you can you tell people uh, where you can be found on the internet? Uh, I'm on Twitter as CyberDiva2. That's basically it. Okay. <laughs> that was, that's really easy. <laughs> Short and free. And you may find me lurking on the, the subreddit for Bloodborne and elsewhere. Well, thank you very much again for, uh, for guesting. This, this was a blast. Thank you very much. It's been very nice to speak to you. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. This is the first podcast I'm recording in 2018, and it's one of the first podcasts I've recorded since I launched the Patreon. So if you're interested in supporting the show directly, you can go to patreon.com slash don'tgiveupskeleton. It's a very bare bones kind of place. I, I did it mostly because people were like, hey, how do I give you money for the show? And I was like, well, that... Okay. Okay. Cool. We can do that. Um, but, but expect some expansion of that in, in 2018 because I've I've got some ideas for sideshows and some some other stuff that I want to do. So if you are interested in doing that, um, go check that out. Otherwise, just listening to the show, telling your friends is is the best place to do. Thank you so much for the really really nice and sweet iTunes reviews I've gotten lately. They've been super nice, especially during the uh, holiday season, which is always good to hear nice things about you. So thank you. Um, I think that's it for this show. Thank you again to Liz. I really appreciate you guesting. And uh, remember, don't give up, Skeleton. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you.